Hello, my friends. Today we're talking to Wes and Paul, the CTO and the technical architect of Addin365. And we discuss why providing clear career roadmaps and being radically transparent are key for retaining top talent. How Addin365 helps businesses get the most out of the Microsoft suite and how difficult and rewarding it is to be confronted with new challenges every day. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. You, you grew up in the right time because what was it ten years ago? And podcast wasn't a thing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, actually which two uh, of the three of us remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like a funny thing. They say a lot of people in my generation are working jobs that didn't exist when we were born. Um, but my girlfriend actually works at a library, and she says that. When she was born, people were saying that job wouldn't exist when she grew up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, anyway, can we uh, let's get some introductions from you guys? Paul, can you tell me a little bit about about your uh, introduction to tech and a little bit of your career? So my introduction to tech was actually in high school. We had these things called mainframe computers, and I got the bug and have been chasing it ever since. And Ended up in the Microsoft ecosystem a couple decades ago and have been there since then. And so I, at, at my heart, I'm a programmer. I'm technically the, or officially the, the lead technical architect at Adam 365 and trying to capture the, the requirements from users and from the, the sales department and translate that into working code. And I host a podcast called the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast in which I get to ask Quite pretend to be stupid and ask questions of guests from Microsoft and uh, external folks about technology, which then piques my interest and kind of loop that back into, into what our product is because we can get a thumb of what's going on, a pulse of what's going on. It's great. And um, as part of that, Microsoft's given me the MVP award for 11 times. So I'm proud of that. And uh, thanks to Microsoft for that. And I'm very excited to be on here and, and chat tech and stuff with, with you. That's awesome, man. Uh, I got to say, it's probably a bit more challenging when you got to pretend to be stupid and asking the question. Not, I, nope, I have it pretty easy. Not hard at all. Uh, <laughs> fit this role just fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you mentioned in there, you, your high school had mainframe computers. For uh, it was called an IBM to... System 36, which was the precursor to the AS400, which was the language. The language in that was the precursor to PowerShell. See that all of us. So yeah, they, there was a. It wasn't a mainframe. It was what they call a mid-range computer. But yeah, it had the, the dumb terminals, green, amber. It was a big deal when you got an amber screen instead of a green one. So yeah, that's that was the day. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty fortunate setup. You, you're able to fall into that. Cool. So Wes, how did you get started, man? What's your story? Well, <clears throat> so at university, I studied uh, human computer interaction design, which today would probably be called user experience design. Um, out of uni, uh, joined a pharmaceutical company just as they merged two big farmers together. They, they did, was involved in a really interesting project with .NET 1 beta. 
Um, so it's writing ASP.NET web services to take um, analytical computation molecular structures from scientific equipment and store it into uh, a big Oracle database and then expose that to a Delphi front end. So as a, as a new grad, that was like mind blowing because there was all these different new things. And because we were using .NET beta, there was no internet guidance out there. It was basically all still pre-preview and Microsoft's engineering team were um, doing that. And then I did that for a couple of years, then went to work for uh, News International in a data um, CRM data warehousing uh, division of their organization. Did some really interesting projects, did Royal Air Force recruitment, which is the armed forces in the UK, um, some stuff for the actual newspapers themselves, stuff for the government agencies. So they did, a, they did a really wide sort of sweep of marketing, direct marketing, mail shots. And I, I think my favorite project of that time was the Royal Air Force wanted to encourage youngsters to start becoming interested in being engineers because they got lots of people that wanted to be pilots but they actually need a lot of engineers so they ran a program uh where you could re register and give your address and then you would get a very glossy a3 sheet of paper which was the satellite image of your house which back then there wasn't the idea of looking at a smartphone to see google maps street view or anything like that that just didn't exist it was it, it was a brand new concept at the time um, so that was that was really cool because you these were going out to like 14, 15, 16 year olds. And obviously it was a, a really smart thing to compute where they were and the longitude, latitude and stuff. Um, and then I sort of in 2005 heard of this little thing called SharePoint. And the rest is, as they say, history. I got into a, into a number of SharePoint projects, um, then um, was working for an implementation partner for a number of years, did some interesting projects there. Then cloud came along. Um, and at the time, there's a huge resistance to cloud. You know, people still wanting to do $10 million projects on-premises with 80 servers and VMs galore. And there was a lot of people in the organization that were employed in those roles. And therefore, the org was very sort of resistant to that Office 365 motion as well. Um, but I was lucky. I, I got I got to work on some really exciting cutting-edge projects in 365 when it, when it first came out. Um, and I've been doing that ever since. And then in 2015, I started adding 365 with my business partner, Susie Dean, who's our CEO. Um, and our vision for the business was really to simplify um, Office 365 experiences for employees because there's lots of tech in it. There's lots of bells and whistles and little knobs and dials that get turned. And technologists can go down into the weeds, but an average business employee, they need something quite easy to use. So we, we started the business to kind of fill gaps in the offering. Um, so we built products um, in, in that sort of space. Um, and, and as like Paul, I, I'm a longstanding MVP. Um, uh, Paul's in office development, so he's technical and coding and stuff like that. Mine's in office apps and services, which is actually the deployment um, and business engagement side of Office 365. So SharePoint, Teams, OneDrive, that sort of stuff. And I think I'm memory serves me. I'm in my eighth year this year. Um, and yeah, we obviously Susie, our CEO, is also an MVP in the same category. So we we've got a, a number of the the sort of world experts in the business, which also um, you know helps our customers to get some some uh, insights into what's going on and how to deploy stuff. So it's a little bit about me and uh, how how we started. That's awesome. I, I just want to touch on since you said you have a history in uh, working in pharmaceuticals, one of your first jobs. Um, from what you were talking about, it 
just reminded me of the concept of like storing data and DNA. Have you followed any of any of that? No, not spe- not specifically. I mean, we the the department I was working in was analytical and computational chemistry, and at mm-hmm. the time, it was about bringing together. Uh, company A and company B's data compound stores, but also re-evaluating the physical liquids and compound powders that both companies own. So there was about three and a half million little vials of something that had to go through machinery to tell people what it was. And and, and the the liquid chromatography and the NMR spectroscopy equipment um, would generate reams and reams of this data. And we then built a web service to ingest it straight out of the uh, instrument transfer it into a molecular table um, and then that fed a Delphi front end which would do the kind of molecule you know like you'd see on a Hollywood movie the molecules moving <laughs> around and stuff like that um, and that was kind of useful in the last 18 months because because Adam 365 have been working with um, you know most of the large pharmaceuticals you'd recognize from delivery of COVID vaccine so we've been very fortunate to sort of know that was all coming because we we were we were supporting some of the technology teams in a number of the larger organizations to kind of develop that um, and the uh, sort of AZ and OUH offering in the UK and also the North American one through Pfizer the you know both both sets of those customers are, are, are kind of using our technologies in in some form in their Office 365 environment. So having a, that little bit of science background for a couple of years helped in, in some of the workshops. Yeah. You kind of, you know, some of the very long terms that they're using and kind of grasp, grasp what's going on. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of smart people in pharma who, who, uh, know exactly what they're doing when they're, they're um, doing their, their thing, but you know, do reach out really quickly for for help in getting the best out of the technology, and it's it's really interesting because if you can if you can help something quite meaningful like that through technology you've done, it gives you a really nice warm fuzzy feeling because you're kind of like, yes, I've delivered I've delivered something, and it's a tiny tiny little speck on the the overall scheme of what's gone on, but you know that teams that were using it were getting you know getting a smoother transfer of data and, and knowledge and conversation and you know using teams to better effect um with software that Paul's team um have effectively delivered. So you know it's a it's a lovely, lovely sort of story behind, you know internally you know, I, for our organization. I, I would add on to that it's very gratifying when the tech gets out of the way, right? These scientists know a lot and they do a lot. And the last thing they want to do is figure out where do I click to do something. So being <laughs> able to just get the technology out of the way so they can do what they're supposed to be doing. That that that's that that is very gratifying. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Paul, tell me, how did you meet Wes and convince him to hire you and and uh, be in charge of his tech? <laughs> so, I was an independent consultant, a uh, company of one, and we were in Microsoft's uh, at some event. Uh, I don't know some MVP event, no doubt. So, we obviously we we known each other over the years, and I got an email that uh, my the the company I was working for was stopping all vendor payments effective immediately. And I said, Hey, I need to find a job. And Wes said, I have a job. And, uh, off we go. That was, it literally was that quick, you know, right place, right time. So, um, but it, and it's been great. Right. And, uh, but transitioning from well, one man company to, to not a one man company was a bit of a struggle, but fortunately he's a, he's a quarter of the world away from me. So I can, <laughs> I can do things in my, in the, without, without affecting everyone else. But yeah, so that's how we <laughs> met and got the job. And of course, we, obviously our tech, uh, interests are, are aligned, both being in the same space. So it worked out rather well. 
That's awesome. So you were mentioning earlier, um, both of you talked a little bit about how you're enabling people to do more with Microsoft Teams. Can you expand what exactly does Add-in 365 do today? So we have we have two sort of primary pillars of our offerings. We 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 have a, a set that's in the communication and intranet space. So we have um a pair of SharePoint solutions we call Creative and Page Kit. So they're primarily there to um, allow a marketing and an internal communication team to really embellish SharePoint online and the surrounding Yammer experiences with branded, beautiful, and very consumer-led experiences. Because SharePoint's gone through a revamp and it's and it's brought the sort of consumer angle to to many of the the, the kind of m- the mainstay of the experience but but it's obviously the microsoft ui it still looks like microsoft stuff and, and many organizations they have their own take on how they want to perceive digital estate so creative and page they they are this kind of kind of marketing tools and the communications tools underneath that we've got um a thing called site builder which helps to um provision uh employee experiences that are ready to go. So a team could stand up, for example, an employee center or new onboarding experience with a few clicks of a button rather than the months it would take of generating the content. Um, That's been hugely valuable. As you can imagine, the last 18 months, you know, the speed people needed to turn around knowledge sharing and information services, being able to stand something up that's sort of a really good, well thought out employee experience that they just do the last 20% in, they put their tiny little bit of tweak on that's that's really powerful and then the other side is our new ways of working our work hub product and that that's that's actually the the product we started the business with um this was pre-teams so teams didn't exist there was just this thing called office 365 groups uh, and we built a whole experience which was about bringing together all the different vertical software services Microsoft delivered into this kind of working dashboard, which, you know, nowadays Teams has kind of uh, taken over. So we've evolved that work up offering into an AI-driven bot that can apply governance and allow a, a business employee to sort of ask for a team in a very democratized way. I mean, there's huge value in keeping democratized creation in place. Um, and it allows people to, you know, set up security, get the best out of it. Um, and uh, it's also kind of got knowledge management aspects. We've got a content confidence kit as well that sits alongside that that helps you read content out of SharePoint and then drive the experience in the bot to be more intelligent so it can kind of learn from what it ingests. And all of that is fundamentally complementary to all the stuff Microsoft delivered. So there's there's a kind of whole ecosystem of Office 365 product vendors and practitioners out there. And Many of them have a take on what is already in the box. So they'll say, hey, we've got a you know a search experience and it will kind of be use ours or use Microsoft's. Our business philosophy is Microsoft's is really amazing, but what we want to do is simplify it for as a, you know, to, to Paul's point, you know, simplify it for that contextual use. So our products sit inside that kind of ecosystem that Microsoft have created and take advantage of everything they've done and then just add the extra 20% on top to kind of allow a pharmaceutical to do it or a you know semiconductor manufacturer to do something very different. Same kit employed in two different ways. And we work with some 
really massive organizations as well. I mean, we, we, we supply Office 360, those, those things I've just talked about, we supply those to the world's largest media agency. So 350 operating companies, it's nearly a quarter of a million people globally. One in three adverts that you see, they produce. So th- that that kind of scale, right the way down to you know organizations that are UK or Chicago based, you know, a couple of hundred people, and they just use the bits of the software and the packages that they've got um, to to support their business going forward. So it's it's very much an additive experience to um, to Office three six five, which is when Susie and I were discussing the name of what we were going to call the company, we tried to be as literal as we could, which is why it's add-in 365, because we were adding stuff to that experience. <laughs> and <laughs> it was short. I'd been at a business that had a massive long name and you you know, you type that at blah, blah, blah.com 500 times a week. It gets a bit tedious. So short name to the point, very, very Ron Sill, Ron Sill named business. And you know, we've 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 grown and and enjoyed doing that uh, over the last sort of five or six years. So that's the kind of product lines are there to to help an organisation simplify that IT estate. Nice. So, like, I guess to oversimplify, it's like a UX layer that exists on top of the Microsoft three six five ecosystem and allows yeah. some customization for each business that's using it. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. There's a lot so, of smarts behind the scenes. Which people yeah. don't want to see, they. But when it works, it's like, oh, that's great, right? That's that, that's the other side of that coin. When it works, they they don't reach out to say thank you, but if the tiniest thing is off, they're extremely frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, are there? So you you mentioned there's like a lot of other companies working on, uh, where they have like their own take on, um specific tools within Microsoft. Are you kind of the only one that's doing this like layer on top? Microsoft's good. Use use what they have and also use what we have to offer, which is like specializing in that respect. I'm sorry if I yeah. didn't say that very well. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. I I I I I get the get the sort of gist that I would say I would say we are approaching the problem uniquely as a business. We we are a product vendor, um, and everything we do, uh, we 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 treat as a product. So, um, when an organisation engages with us, we we also treat our professional services engagements as as product lines. So there's a whole collection that an uh, an organisation can kind of pick off the shelf. It's a very known quantity, both from a commercial point of view and a what you get at the end of it point of view. So we, we can help an organization that's looking for some advisory. We can help an organization that's looking for implementation, and we can help an organization that's looking for products. So all of those are a bit like going around the supermarket and sort of picking the meal that you want. You describe the meal, we'll help you pick the recipe. And, and, and if you want us to prepare it and put it in front of you, you, we can do that. Some organizations want to do the chefing themselves or they want to do the you know discovery of the recipe themselves and then have us use, you know, use our products to, in their delivery. So it's a broad range of support we can provide a business. Um, I think the, the sort of uniqueness really comes from... Um, trying to get an organization that we're working with to get the best out of the Office 365 products rather than bring them onto our own roadmap and kind of deliver something that Microsoft always always has. And it's a it's a decent USP because when when we talk to customers and they're they're kind of looking at it in, in, in potentially in a more competitive scenario, 
you know, there there are there are reports that some companies out there produce which kind of go through a whole bunch vendor roster and they describe every feature that those particular products have. And if you go down that feature list and you put SharePoint's feature list alongside, there's a good 90% that's actually in, in SharePoint. It might not look the same, but, you know, search is there, people profiles are there, mobile device access is there, security is there. So so what is left is a very thin veneer. And, and, and what we found is by modularizing to, you know, create those ingredients that someone can assemble for different recipes we've 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 been unique this sort of last two years of being able to help an organization fill the right gap at the right time with something that's quite manageable both in professional services point of view rollout um and the product itself you know so we can get people running i mean we built there's a um gas supply company in the uk uh, and their their team was two people and they had to supply a new digital experience to the 3,000 people in the organization. We rolled out a number of our professional services project uh, products, and we did. they bought our um, intranet side of our product SKUs. And effectively, we were able to stand them up that new employee experience in a matter of weeks, where they just had to engage in sort of two hours here, three hours there with a particular department to get their final sort of take on what that content should look like. So again, that kind of accelerative, they, they were like, we need to do this now. It's really critical. We're not in offices anymore. We've all been told to work remotely, help. And it was like, okay, well, we'll take these recipes. That's your desired outcome. This is how we can get you through the through the gate, uh, and and a lot of organisations are, are really looking for that now. So I, I do find in 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 a a sales motion at the moment that that our our sort of offering is quite unique um, compared with certainly um, many of the people they're also looking at. Um, they tend to be much more traditionally focused on delivering a sort of scrum led process or they're starting from blank pages and they just, you know, they're asking, what do you want? Which I think um, nobody in, in the consulting team in, in our business would ever ask what you want. We would bring <laughs> you some suggestions and go, well, we've heard, heard, heard what you said. This is some of the things you could do, which one sounds good. Um, so it's a kind of different way of looking at the same sort of problem space, but it, it, it helps because you can see something tangible. So a customer can kind of understand, oh, it might look like A or it might look like B, kind of like A, let's go with A. If we need to change it, we'll change it. Yeah, that makes he, sense. He, I, yeah, so in his analogy, right, he, what he didn't mention is even if it's a prepackaged meal, sometimes you're adding a little salt or spicing it up a little bit to suit your taste. And sometimes these packages, what Microsoft delivers, while it looks great, maybe it's not exactly what you want, and, but that that bit that you can just put your t- twist on it, s- season it up the way you want, is very compelling to, I would expect, to most IT professionals being able to make your customers happy, give them what they ask for instead of close to what they ask for, Right. So again, technology needs to get out of the way. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, Paul, I have a question for you. I know um, Microsoft is like, they push out new technical releases and updates like all the time. Uh, what's it like reacting to those on on the support side? Um, like, I, I, I imagine that's a big challenge. It, it is. It, it, it can be very tiring, yes, right? And so... <laughs> You know, it, it just uh, you know, a little note. At one point, I uh, Wes probably doesn't want me to share this, but at one point, I put code in there that says so something that I did went wrong, or maybe I called out to Microsoft and something went wrong on the other end of the internet, right? So because we needed to know, did something happen in our code, or did something happen in the service that we're consuming, and and so 
but but we embrace it, and that's a, a, a philosophy that Wes has espoused from the beginning. Is to beta or new code doesn't bother us. Let's just go in with our eyes open and communicate with our customers. There's this new capability. I had a meeting earlier this morning about new capability, and he's already like, "Well, I'll believe it when I see it." But we know that it's new and it, it's worthwhile, and we'll we'll see what works and kick the tires. And and if customers are want this capability and they're willing to say. Okay, we'll try. If it doesn't work, we can fall back, and that's. But but as as a technologist, that's that's the that's the thing, right? I want to learn something new. I want to try something new. I don't want to show up every day and do the same. I I personally would I would I would never make it in a job on an assembly line because I can't do the same thing over and over again. And I find a lot of the developers I talk to over the years are the same way. They want we want to see the new thing. We want to try the new bits. We want to learn new stuff. And so on one hand, it can be hard supporting it, but on the other hand, it, it, approaching it with the right mindset, you'll find a lot of other people want new stuff too, right? Even end users, maybe they'll complain because you moved my button from left to right, but it, once they get moving along, sometimes it, it's, it's okay. So it's not going to change. Microsoft isn't going to slow down. We've, uh, we've moved to this new cloud world. And so let's embrace it. Let's understand it, talk about it and enjoy it. Yeah, doing the same thing over and over again. That's what AI is for. You're a person. <laughs> I hadn't thought so that word, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to borrow that line for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know uh, earlier, one of you mentioned that you, you lean on AI for some of your product. What, what does that look like? What's, what, what's the implementation there? So, so we've got a, um, a bot-based experience um, which uses AI. So in, in our WorkHub product, the, the team's bot um, uses uses natural language understanding, uses text analysis, a lot of the cognitive services that Microsoft deliver to be more intelligent and react to requests from the employee in a contextual fashion. So, you know, so a lot a lot of the examples that Microsoft will show of AI being deployed in kind of conversational UI are quite simplistic. They're you know build a fill in a holiday request and it will magically send it somewhere and, and that kind of stuff. But when you actually get into the weeds of designing conversational UI, it is an entire discipline. Uh, there's a lot of whiteboard time, virtual, physical. Um, there's huge non-clementure and challenges in terms of if you're supporting a global business that has multiple English-speaking varieties, let alone translation. So, so our kind of AI layers are, are multifaceted. We've got not only natural language for a number of languages, but we've got um, intent-driven contextualization of, of the experience when somebody's in a team versus a one-to-one -one chat. It will behave differently because we believe the context is different. If you're talking out loud, we equate using a Teams channel to being in a room. So if you're talking out loud there, the bot needs to behave as if it was sat in the room in a meeting room with you and be more conversational. If you're IM chat, it can be a bit more sort of friendly and and the, the tone changes and, and of, of how you can respond to the 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 employee that's using it. Um, other side is in the content confidence kit, we're leveraging a lot of a lot of engineering underpinnings Microsoft have had in SharePoint for a very long time. So things like managed metadata, taxonomy, content type definitions, these are all real nerdy techie bits underneath the bonnet. They've been down there for a long, long time. Microsoft have revamped a lot of marketing around stuff they already had. So SharePoint syntax, we we were working on 
uh, a number of programs with Microsoft over the last year. And that's a really smart piece of kit because it, it can kind of allow you to do document processing. And you know, if you've got loads of invoices, you can actually train the model to extract information from the invoice and send it to wherever you want it to do. So we take a similar approach with SharePoint content. We don't quite do the same thing as the syntax stuff. There's no real overlap. One is a kind of trained model learn extraction. Ours is more a suggestive interface of like, we can see this, maybe you should do that. So it, it's 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 proving to be um, in the right parts of businesses. It's very, very powerful. It's not a tool. That particular part of the tool is not used by everyone every day. Um, the the question and knowledge management experience definitely is, but things like the content confidence kit tend to be creators, the people generating the knowledge that are using them, which is a smaller subset of your organization normally. The conversational side used by lots of people daily, um, and you know we we had to break new ground. I mean, we built uh, we built a, a globally distributed bot multi-tenant bot platform on the Microsoft stack, which uh, at the time we did it was not really something they had any examples of doing or, or, or you know, Azure, you, you basically were assembling all the parts from Azure. And, and this is what Paul was talking about. You know, we, we don't, we don't fear the unknown. We don't fear like nobody's done this before with these bits of jigsaw puzzle. Um, and in fact, if we were to bring up Azure DevOps, our repo um, list, there's as many that now say ZZ retired as there are that are ZZ live kind of thing. So, so it, it's you know as a business we we are evergreen just like the platform. We 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 are not scared of going. Well, we invested this time and energy building that product. That product got superseded by Teams. That product should get retired. The product line, just like a car evolves. You know the next version of the vehicle comes out. The next version of our stuff comes out. It's under the same product line. Uses the same name, but fundamentally might have moved from being a SharePoint web part to a Teams bot. Um, so we, we've, you know, we've moved, moved the cheese on the user quite a lot. Um, and that, that's good. And, you know, Paul and I were joking just before we started the recording, the technology he was talking about, you know, I said, oh, you know, it's all sound, it all sounds great, but have they thought about how we'll, we'll use it? Probably not, which means kicking <laughs> the tires. There's going to be some rough edges and we're going to be able to feed that back. And we, we, we have that really privileged position of being able to do that with a lot of the product team. You know, we, 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 we both invest a huge amount of time in feeding back and being involved with product engineering groups and product marketing groups at Microsoft to, to kind of help them tailor both the thing they're building and potentially the way they're talking about it. Um, and, and that's a, you know, it's a bi-directional benefit because they they get insights into what our customer base is doing and how they could build something to help. And we get insights into what they're doing and where the, where the white space is for us to kind of help an employee fill a gap um, in the offering. I know uh, the UK has been somewhat progressive in like passing legislation that requires more explainability in AI. Um especially when it's decisions that impact humans. Is, is that correct so far? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, you have to be, like I say, it's a, it's a complex discipline because you have to, yeah. I mean, in, in Europe, um, you know, there's the GDPR and there's the, obviously the UK have got their own varieties of, of legislation as well. So even, you know, writing the legalese in the terms and conditions of a product can be a big job because you, you know, you need to cater for a global audience. Um, 
and yeah, Microsoft won't just give you one, <laughs> which which would be <laughs> nice. You know, their their legal team is is four times bigger than anybody else's. Probably be nice if they could just say, hey, any vendor building on our solutions, that's what you need to write. But they do, you know, they do they do give you a huge amount of of, of guidance in terms of trust and where data should sit. Um, and again, you know, thinking about you know any listener on on for this show is is going to be sort of sitting there going, well. Okay, this is great. They're putting stuff in my environment that does all these cool things. Where's my data? How do I control stuff? Where is my stuff? Because if you go off box, you've got all the risks of going off box. Um, you are allowing another service to to interact with your data and, and host it. So again, kind of adhering to legislation actually makes that technical design decision just as important because we don't hold any customer data or because we're in the platform, the, the data is in the platform with the customer's tenant. So our stuff is an experience and it sits inside that overall experience. And that makes it easy for technical teams to have the conversation of like, where's our stuff? It's like, well, it's wherever you had it 10 minutes ago. It's exactly the same place. We're not, we're not taking it and putting it over here on a different moon that you've got <laughs> no control over it. It's, it's still on your planet doing your thing. So, so that, that kind of AI piece and, and trust is mega important to consider at design time. And, and Paul and I have noodled many an hour away working out there might be a simple and easy way. We'll put it in our database, but the answer always ends up being it should be in the customer's tenant. And we always engineer to be it's in the customer's tenant. So it's it's a... It's a discipline you get into with an engineering group really quickly, which is, you know, be good citizens, don't do silly things. And if you ever have uh, any kind of interaction with, say, for example, Germany as an entity, you know, they have even stricter re regulations and rules about what can and can't be done. And they, they have a concept of a workers' council that protect employee privacy and protect tracking and stuff like that. So that goes even harder in in favor of the individual employee right to not be tracked not be discovered not be able to be appraised of performance on some things and and sometimes that can be a real juxtaposition against ai because ai is trying to say hey i understand you where's you've done this with paul and this with adam and you've been doing these things this is what I think you should get from Chris, and you're like, I don't know, Chris. How? Do, how? What? How is that working? <laughs> that, and that that can be really scary for for situations where people think privacy, because they're like, well, I don't know, Chris. Therefore, how is I? How am I getting presented stuff that Chris has done? Surely that means I'm tr they're tracking me behind the scenes, and you know, AI AI could get a bad reputation really quickly if if communicators aren't brought in early into a project. Um, to roll out, you know, the messages around, okay, we're launching this great new Teams bot and it does this for you. What it doesn't do is X, Y, and Z as well. So, you know, keeping the AI on rails is really, really important. Yeah, that makes sense. It's all about just being completely open and transparent with what you're doing. That That's what keeps people, uh, keeps people happy. Yeah, so, and that highlights the importance of, of a technology partner, right? We partner with Microsoft because they have cognitive services in their Azure offering that that will do things. Well, those same services are what their products are using. And so having a conversation with a customer about what we're doing, well, it's the same thing that's already being done to your data. 
right? It, it, but but again, we're flavoring it a different way. We're seasoning it to to your needs as opposed to what Microsoft thinks works for every company on the planet. So th- that's very, yeah, I'm very happy with the partnership in that regard because I know if there's a service that's de- deployed in Azure, most likely I can use it. That you know, maybe cost more, or I need to talk about that. But those concerns that you bring up, most of them have already been at least thought through at the beginning with Microsoft, and now I look at their terms and use and and see how it fits. So it's very helpful. So what are some issues and challenges that your customers face that you guys are are good at helping out with? Um, big, big challenges around gaining control. So, so in the last sort of two years, 18 months, obviously, because of the situations organizations found themselves in, they, they turned a lot of stuff on really quickly. They deployed, in quotes, technologies and threw them over the fence by normally sliding the bar and running. And what they're now looking at is what does control mean? How are they going to think about that? And, you know, governance is a word that gets used as well. But I I, I like to think of this as more like helping an employee rather than governing the employee's behavior, because (laughs) we've got, you know, we've, we're all adults. We're all, we're all clever enough to know what's good and what's bad and, 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 and how to do our jobs well. What you can what you can find is is kind of that moment recently where an organisation looks at its Office three six five its Teams estate and it goes, it's a mess. I don't know why I'm thinking it's a mess, but it must be a mess because we didn't govern it from day one. And they're kind of going, oh, how do we get control of this? Um, we worked with a or well, are working with a global semiconductor manufacturer, and and their their starting position was we need to get some kind of control over teams because we're really scared about the security of our IP. You know, we are a absolute important part of a supply chain to many other industries. You know, we all know the semiconductor shortage at the moment. So yeah. they're like, we need, we need to protect our IP and how do we get the best out of teams? So they, so they came and engaged with us. We did some professional services with them, this thing called success definition that, is a, a short activity that kind of puts some lassoes around some high value targets. Um, and then we use the, the, the bot to help them structure their team's estate um, proactively and retrospectively to kind of use that AI layer to go, okay, well, we need to put, this is a team that is in marketing and therefore it can work with external guests and can do some clever things. This is a team that is, is right down in the engineering level and is doing a design of a wing mirror camera for an automotive manufacturer that is super sensitive ip then and you know all the controls get put on but the experience the employee got was i want a team i want to call it this go and our stuff takes care of all of the sort of smarts of putting the governance and controls around that gives them the team back a few minutes later and says there you go off off you go there's there it's well structured and 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 sort of you know gets as to Paul's point gets out the way really quickly so that's a that's a kind of big 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 focus for for many at the moment and then on on the sort of published content side the the overall motion we're seeing is that many organizations are now repositioning marketing and brand um quite heavily uh, there's a big motion of um you know brand is much more optimistic than it was 12 months ago there's a lot more optimism in both commercial and you know the, the well-being spaces so there's a lot of organizations revamping they're effectively what they would have done in a physical office of painting the walls and putting new carpet and tables in they're doing on their digital estate they're going right well we've got this intranet we've got this 
massive document library of policies. We don't like that anymore. We think that we can do better. And they, they're using our, our uh, creative page kit and content confidence kits to kind of revamp that experience to kind of bring it up to, to, to what their employee experience desires now. So those two things are moving in kind of equal seesaw for us. We've got, you know, half the projects in, in collaboration space, half the projects in, in the kind of publishing space. So that's, that's where, that's where most people that, that we're working with seem to be. That's cool. I, you're pulling on a common thread that I keep hearing from like really smart, successful companies that about making things frictionless. Um, mm. Cause like we've uh, had done a couple episodes with a company called Auth Zero recently, which they deal with identity auth- authorization. Um, and their whole thing is making it frictionless for implementing secure sign-in processes on the back end. Um, and how you're talking about like if you're not implementing governance on your teams and it run and it kind of gets away from you, the bigger and bigger that problem grows, I feel like the less likely a company can be to act because it's like, wow, this is going to be a project to take care of it. But yeah, when you're making it more frictionless to do so, it's just like, yeah, just let us handle it. We'll give it back to you. It'll be nice and orderly, ready to go. Problem solved. Like, it's much more likely for people to act on that. And that's good for them and good for you guys. So yeah, that's, yeah. um, you know, you know, and if you tie that back to the, the, the pace of change we chatted about earlier, right? So you can imagine someone who's, who's running multiple projects and, and they've started with the wild west and done whatever they thought worked, but it didn't work. And they do something different the second time and the 10th time something different. And finally, the IT department has some, some guidelines and some, you know, at, at rails that this kind of seems how we want the company to work. And then this project person goes through and does this a few times. And now, oh, I go back to that old site. Well, that one's different. And it's, I don't remember what I did. Can we fix that? Right. So it, it'll help be, the being open to these changes as rapid change is going to work eventually because the whole organization is going to say, Oh, this works better. Let's fix the old stuff. And so they may bring stuff that's out of compliance to you because it, it's friction for them to, to work with. So there's a lot of, a lot of benefit there all the way around. But we've also seen, we've also seen a big swing in silos being broken down because Two years ago, an organization was very divisional, departmental, hierarchical, and and it was kind of lots of vertical slices. If you were designing things, it was always you were engaged with marketing or you were engaged with IT or you were engaged with whatever name you want to pick. It was org chart engagement. Whereas what hybrid working and this reimagination of what an organization needs to get done versus what it originally thought it needed to get done has led to these horizontal slices. And the thing that sort of really gets me excited with a customer at a whiteboard is when they start talking to me about task and activity centric stuff. So if I'm doing an information architecture design with with a customer and they start going, right, well, you know, you know what, we don't we don't recognize security as being a slice of IT, a slice of facilities and a slice of HR. What we recognize it is a context of security. Therefore, an employee needs to experience that context, and it happens to be contributed to from multiple departments. They, they go to a, a task-based 90-degree pivot is, is kind of how we usually do it. Um, that, for me, is really exciting because a lot of the technology benefits really sing and really come alive when you start, as an organization, reimagining yourselves as horizontal slices 
because teams as a collaborative environment, you know, channels themselves are well suited to, well, there's a topic area A and a topic area B, put tools in that are around topic A and tools in that are around topic B, but holistically that team now has all the tool set they need to run. Um, but that's always a horizontal team. You might have designers, you might have creative directors, you might have technologists, you might have PMs. They're all in that space working. And it's that cross-discipline experience that that I think is really showing organizations that have adapted to the new the new spaces that they found find versus ones that are being a bit more lethargic of of accepting that change. And and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out in the long run. But for right now, super exciting when you see a horizontal company when they're trying to break down that cross 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 blob working into into something more cohesive. So one thing I was I'm pretty interested to get your guys' take on is the current kind of labor shortage that's going on in tech and how a lot of people are going out and looking for uh, there's like mass resignations, looking for new jobs. And I mean, my brother who's a software developer just went out and got got a new job to advance his career. Like, and so while it's great for the the engineers, it obviously presents huge challenges for these organizations. So what, how can IT teams in particular, uh, what, what can they be doing to help companies work through this? So uh, there's two kind of facets that, that spring to mind. Firstly is, is the, what they can do to retain their own internal talent, because there's lots of things there. And, and, and I'll, I'll happily share some insights from our own business. We, we approach the sort of problem space of career progression in a very open way in, in adding 365. A consultant, for example, has a 24-month plan with a very clear, um, you know, you do this activity and it's signed off as you know how to do it. Then there's a pay rise and the 12-month review point. So they can actually see how much they're going to be earning come pay review time as they go through the year. And that's super powerful because it's it's kind of like, you, it, you, for those that are really storming ahead and learning loads of stuff, they can see they're going to get a big, big increase. And, and you know, that keeps keeps some part of them motivated. It's not the only facet that kind of matters. So so there's ways you you, you think about, you know, your own talent. Um, I also a big believer in in bringing on talent into the organization. We, we recently took on a graduate um, from UCL, um, got his master's in artificial intelligence. And uh, he's joined our team to kind of bolster up the the AI part of the the platform. So so it's it's kind of you know where we joked at, at the head of the call around you know some jobs not necessarily having existed five years ago and new ones coming in. As a as a team lead, recognizing that you don't know everything and that's good, and you bring in smarter people below you that do know those things and they can actually educate you. And then you can share your years of knowledge with them. So kind of like that open flat structure and the way that career progression works. Um, and, and other things like, you know, just this idea of senior this and lead that. Again, we've adopted a very f- flat, you've got a job title. And that the only reason you've got a job title is because you have to have an employment contract. <laughs> but that's the role you're doing. Seniority doesn't come into it. You know, Paul, Paul's seniority versus one of the other guys' seniority, one of the other girls' seniority. 
in certain topics, it will switch around, right? Somebody will know way more about that topic than this person will. And, and that's that's good. It means we've got a balanced and we've got a, a kind of inclusive team. It's got a diverse range of skills. So then it comes sort of back to the other half, which is customers. You know, what 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 are what are they doing? What are they thinking about? Well, massive, massive focus at the moment on employee digital experience and employee experience all up. Um, you know, we saw big, big studies last year, um, Deloitte, Microsoft, LinkedIn, all coming up with scary, scary numbers, like 46% of people are looking for new jobs. 80% of people think that, you know, the quality of their laptop will determine whether they want to work for the company anymore. <laughs> but they are actually reasonably sensible commentary because if you have a laptop that doesn't really give you a decent webcam you aren't going to be able to enjoy a teams call very often or a zoom call very often so these are material things that can improve somebody's employee experience and then you've got the way that hr and people services and well-being stuff is being woven into the daily activities microsoft recently released the whole viva platform which you know, Paul and I will smirk a little bit because some of the bits were already there. They've just been rebranded, but they've been rebranded and brought together. And I think that was the new thing. They were brought together. So so the idea that learning and SharePoint and, um, you know, analytics on your behavior in the platform, th- these these were all sort of things that were partially in play. But now you've got this Viva platform, which is all about you, the employee, and what you need. So that's... That's kind of two big ticket items that that I see as the kind of shift now is is pers- you know the the how does an individual feel in their individual role, but also what the companies are doing for digital and 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 making it feel like it's a place you want to work, best kit, best experience, easy to use, frictionless. You know, as you mentioned, they're they're going to swing swing the employees um, one way or the other. The, the you know the salary and the location of where somebody works is factoring more than it ever has done i think um but i haven't on a personal level seen that be the big swing of whether somebody wants to come and work with us or whether they go and work with a competitor it tends to be what are they going to have access to be able to do you know are they going to be able to bring new ideas and execute on those new ideas well with our business, yes, they are. That's definitely part of our ecosystem internally, and that you know, as Paul already articulated, is like there that there are types of people that that excites, and and you know, those are the people we're trying to attract. So there's a there's a whole mosaic of things that influence. Yeah, that I mean, it sounds like a really complicated problem, not just a one size fits all solution there, but um, definitely that one thing you mentioned early on in your answer was um, providing clear career paths, which I think is extremely powerful. People want, if if it's unclear how you're going to advance forward at the company, of course, if someone pro- asked their boss, hey, what does that look like? They'll probably get an answer, but you know they're more likely to just kind of start browsing LinkedIn for jobs and seeing, oh, this one pays more um, <laughs> when they don't know concretely, you know, that they're going to be getting a raise at a given time, you know? So before we wrap up, I, I want to hear a little bit about the future. I want to get excited, man. So Paul, can you, can you tell me like what kind of new technologies you're working on at the company? Yes. And we've hinted a little bit at, at it, but there, there, there was a call just earlier today with, with Microsoft. Uh, they're bringing a, a unifying technology 
they call it adaptive cards. And, and it, anyone who knows me, you know, I'd like to say, well, you know, there's a box of eight crayons. Well, they only give me two of them to match my skill set when it comes to that area. So you can think of a way that, that I, I have, I have all this technology running stuff. I'm running bots. I'm running emails. I, I have web pages and I need to present information to, to users. And we've talked about how different users do things different ways. So maybe someone's in an email or someone's in a bot. How do I unify that kind of delivery, right? I don't want to spend time writing the user interface four times. I do it once. That's that kind of a unifying technology uh, helps, right? So you'll see that coming in. Wes's point about the Viva product, there's all these things that are out there, but if I can unify them and get them in front of folks, that that's stuff. So so maybe it's not new tech all the time, but it's new uses of the tech. And where can we ex, ex, ex get moving on that? Plus, there's obviously, as we talked before, the re, the pace of change. Things are changing rapidly over and over again, and new bits out there. And this the AI pieces that we've talked about. Some some are as basic as looking at a document, pulling out the key phrases. I mean, that doesn't sound exciting to someone whose job is machine learning, but for someone whose job is to publish content, hey, if I don't have to go through and summarize this document manually, someone will do it for me. That's the kind of stuff. So to me, it's a little bit of new technology and a lot of how can I assemble this and put it in front of someone and excite them. Yeah, being really outcome focused with it. Um, like you said at, at the beginning, man, getting techno- getting the technology out of the way. Like, I, I didn't think too hard on it when you first said it, but that's like exactly kind of the most exciting thing you can possibly think about when you think about all the use cases of um, the people that are going to be enabled by by that. But all right, so to to wrap up here, I, I'm I'm sure a lot of listeners have like related with the kind of stuff you've been talking about. Um, what should they do next if if they're interested in learning more about Adden three six five and what you guys are doing? So uh, on our on our website, which is www.addin365.com, um, we we have a, a whole bunch of knowledge we share regularly. So we have a, a theme for CTO roles and technologist roles specifically, where we're sharing insights in you know the public face uh, previewing stuff, Viva. Uh, Connections, for example, we're doing regular webinars on that technology as well. Um, the website's got obviously the product information and the case studies, so so we've got a lot of good um, detailed insights into actually how customers have used our stuff and, and got benefits from it. And then there's uh, another sort of stream on on the website and uh, the social media platforms as well around communication support and marketing support. So for for the people that are in the business looking at how to improve that employee experience, we've got a lot of um, stuff that we're sharing in there. So that's a that's a kind of great place to start. Um, if you're in the sort of developer area, then I highly recommend listening to Paul and Jeremy's um, 365 Developer Podcast. I would have to plug that one because <laughs> <laughs> he does that every week. <laughs> Thank you. But you know, there's another thing on the website. You can click on button to speak with an MVP, right? And, and I know it sounds tripe, right? You know, there's this award. And, but, you know, we hear things just, just by osmosis and dealing with the tech folks at, at Microsoft and other other customer things, you pick up a lot of insights. And like we've had a conversation today, who'd have thought where this, you know, it goes where the natural conversation goes. So there's the ability to click on a button, there's a lot of form and, and chat with one of us. What, you want to talk about development with me? You want to talk about solving problems with, what you know, others? We encourage you to do that. Reach out happy. 
I like to talk, obviously. And so happy to share that information. And, and it's a two-way street because, you know, when you talk with us, I'll be asking you questions and maybe that informs where we're going. So that, that's certainly a next call to action from my point of view. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.